You're listening to Rocket Night. For those people who are not local to the New Jersey scene, I'm sure the people who are deeply into music are aware of City Gardens. And right. Randy was the promoter for City Gardens. And he is, I feel like Wayne's World right now. I'm not worthy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so how did you get started, Randy, in, in promoting? Well, uh, I guess going back to my childhood, I was into promoting because we were poor. And I used to get together little shows or little like street like sales, like, like, you know, yard sales, but as been a 10 year old kid doing it. And my older brother, he was, he liked to act too. And we would go on like shows in the backyard. Like we would have the clothes hangers outside and we'd put a sheet down and that would be, you know, the back sheet, the front sheet, whatever. And uh, we would put on shows. Then we'd charge, you know, a penny probably or two cents. And, and, uh, and that's how I really started. Then in high school, I was president of my class, my freshman, sophomore, junior year. And, um, I, uh, I brought some bands into the high school actually, and I wanted to bring in big bands and, uh, into the gymnasium. And the gym teacher at the time, he's, and this was 1971, 72. He says, well, if you're going to have a dance, you have to make it a sock hop and everybody wears socks. <laughs> and I, I was looking at Blue Easter Cold, like when they had their first album now, I'm thinking, nobody's going to wear their socks to see Blue Easter Cold. So that idea came and went. But something else I did, uh, when I was a sophomore, um, the, the sophomore class, when I was president, we sponsored a trip to go see Jeff Tull. And this was the thick as a brick tour. So that'd be 72. So I'm, uh, I'm a sophomore or a junior. And we, we, you know, I went and did all the work. We went to the Spectrum and bought 50 tickets. And, um, you know, I called up, I guess, Star Bus Company up here and arranged for a bus. <laughs> we went, uh, 50 kids and maybe three or four teachers went. And uh, the teachers, teachers were shocked because, um, People were, uh, you know, smoking pot and you know, handed the joint to the teacher. <laughs> a couple of kids came drunk. They were in the back of the bus drinking, you know. Oh, wow. So that was a one-shot deal, too. I never really talked about that, though. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll share that one with you. <laughs> uh, but uh, I always, I guess, always promoting. But, uh, you know, I played in bands uh, at the end of my high school to, you know, when I was 18, 19 years old. I played with a band called Construction. And uh, they changed their name a few times, and band members, they became a, a pretty big band on um, the East Coast, like cover bands. I mean, they were getting like five grand, ten grand a night at the time. They were called Strangers Angels. And uh, they, they did really well, but I was never part of that. 
So um, then I had another band, and the band broke up, and I was DJing at this uh, redneck bar called the Central House down in New Egypt. And uh, he said, yeah, you can come in and play records. And I went out and bought a second turntable and a mixing board and, uh, you know, went all wild, of course. And at this time, now, I'm a mailman about at least 50 hours every week, every week, 50 hours, winter, summer, fall, spring. And um, so I'm trying like Grant Parker, Elvis Costello, the Sex Pistols, and they hated me. <laughs> and then we had all these rednecks that were coming from the New Egypt Speedway. Yeah. And they would come down and, you know, they'd say, hey, what was that one? And I would put on, you know, Elvis Costello. There's the new Led Zeppelin song. And they were like, oh, F you. <laughs> you shot it. And one, one guy pulled the, the plug out of the wall. Oh, and, wow. um, uh, I mean, looking back, it was funny, but what it happened when he pulled it out of the wall, it blew the fuses in these speakers I had, and I had to shut down. So uh, I just went from there, and uh, yeah, um, I'm trying to think how I, how did I get this? Oh, I guess, yeah, I was DJing, and then I saw an ad in the local paper for this real tiny little, like, one inch by one inch ad for this club called City Gardens. I called up the number and just said, I'm a new wave DJ, and the owner said, I knew what? And he didn't know what new wave was. But uh, he said, oh, come out and see what happens. So I came out, and my God, the area is in, um, and it was it was scary in the 80s. I don't even know what it's like in the 2020s, talking 40 years later now, 35, 40 years later. <clears throat> so uh, uh, it just, you know, it grew. There was seven people the first nine, and then it was 11 the next Sunday, and then the WTSR uh, radio, uh, college radio, um, found me, and uh, you know, and then the, the uh, Trenton State College at the time, Trenton State uh, newspaper uh, did a story on it, and then a Princeton paper did a story, and a Trenton paper did a story, and I mean, it just got bigger and bigger. It grew and grew, and then I said, you know, I have some friends that play in a band. You know, can I bring them in here? And I said, yeah. And that was a band called The Shades. They they did mostly originals, which nobody else was doing out there. Mm-hmm. And because of the fact they weren't doing all covers, um, you know, they were perfect for us. And, you know, their, their few fans loved them for their originals, too. So we brought them in. And that, you know, every Thursday night they were there. And I just said, let me just try to get some other bands. And uh, slowly, and they were going to play a place called Hitsville in Passaic. Maybe your parents know it. And um, uh, it got shut down. And I don't know how I found out because, again, looking back, there was no internet. I didn't have any connections, but somehow I found out who their agent was, called them up, and the agent was actually Ian Copeland, oh. who is uh, Stuart Copeland's brother from the police. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there was three Copeland brothers, Miles. He started the record label, IRS and managed the police, and there was uh, Stuart Copeland, the drummer, with the police, and then Ian Copeland uh, was called uh, FBI Booking, and uh, he was booking the police, and he was bringing over all his, you know, sex pistols. Um, uh, he had Jim Jett. When he did, the first thing he did was he, he gave me 999. He says, you got to give me $2,500 to 
and a 50% deposit. So I didn't have any idea, like, if, if I'm getting ripped off, are they really a $1,000 band? But I said, okay, and we gave them a $1,250 deposit, and the show did, like, 500 people, and we charged five bucks. And, uh, you know, five bucks at the time was unheard of. I was like, yeah, because I knew who they were. And, you know, they were big on college radio. So we did that, and it did really well. And he says, I got this girl named Jet. Would you like to book Jen Jet for me? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. And then they just, they just kept coming from that point. Um, bus cocks. And, wow. Uh, I'm trying, you know, <laughs> gang of four. Um, you know, most of the fans are uh, British. And also, I have friends with a lady named uh, Ruth Polsky. So there's a great story about her. She she was great for bringing bands in from um, England. She was bringing in Bauhaus and Madness and Specials. And uh, she actually she was uh, she died. She was killed by a taxi in front of a nightclub, wow. which was which was going to be done a benefit that night for something. But she was out front, and the taxi hit her. I, I always wonder, but. You know, the music biz would be like if Bolsky was still alive. But if you want to look her up, you know, on the Wikipedia, um, she was amazing. I don't know why there's not a, there may be a book about her, actually, but well, I guess she was so smart. And she was a Jersey girl, too. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look her up then. Um, what made City Gardens so special out of all, you know, there were, you know, you have Philadelphia and you have the venues in Philadelphia, but City Gardens was just special. Yes, and it wasn't due to the beautiful uh, beautification of the building or anything. It was, you know, it was a black wall dump, an old warehouse. Uh, I, you know, well, when it grew, like from seven people to 11 to 13 to 25, um, you know, we were appealing to a little section of, you know, the world or the area. You know, people wanted to hear Wall of Voodoo. And uh, before this year, I had to go to New York or Philadelphia to see them. And uh, it was you know, kind of like a shortcut to seeing bands coming to Trenton. And the other thing is, it was 18 to drink then in New Jersey. And Pennsylvania, was, it always stayed 21 and never went down. So we had the bonus of people, the kids like in Bucks County and in North Philadelphia County. I uh, was just across the bridge. It was a free bridge right on County Street yeah. called the County Street Bridge. Uh, I could come over here and, and drink as 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And they get their car and go home. And, and you know, I kept uh, uh, up with the mailing list. And um, about, it, it was always like 49 to 50 to 51 percent, for, you know, going back and forth. New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So definitely half of our crowd came from Pennsylvania. And we had the advantage of, uh, you know, the um, 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Yeah. So a few years, of course, it's gradually changed back. But, uh, I mean, obviously, that was a big help. We, and I, I don't know. I just thought I did a smart job, a good job, you know, DJing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and pick, picking bands. We, we were talking earlier about... Um my high school and how popular city garden was. And, and you are absolutely right about kids having to lie to their parents about going to city gardens because um, nobody wanted their kids to go to Trenton, but 
kids line and city gardens kept you know they were full always with right people i know that uh, probably most of them and that was the thing i mean the club was all ages there was no alcohol where the kids were it was like in a back room and it was nobody over 21 for god's sake but um yeah all the high school kids were coming and you know uh, you tell one high, high school kid at this high school we'll say hopewell uh, you know then they bring three people with them uh lamberville new hope Town, burlington and every sunday we were doing these uh, I called them uh, matinees. They were six o'clock hardcore shows, punk rock shows. I mean, every Sunday, one Sunday you could see Iggy Pop. The next Sunday you could see Green Day. The next Sunday you could see uh, Bad Religion. The next Sunday you could see Slayer. So these kids are really lucky, actually, to every week they could count on a, a show on Sunday. And, and they even developed into like, well, I don't even know this band, but. I'm going to come here and hang out with my friends. You know, it was much like a place for misfits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I was a misfit in high school, even though, you know, I said I was president of my class for three years. But, you know, I wasn't cool enough to hang out with the hippies, even though I liked all that music and knew it better than them. And I was too young to hang out with the teachers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, later in life, I actually hung out with two of the, the, my high school teachers. Uh, very, really interesting. And uh, especially the ones that went to the um, Jericho's Hall concert. <laughs> we had a little bit of a secret thing going, like, you know, like I said, with the pot dance and the pot down to the teachers. <laughs> <laughs> um, your, the documentary, Riot on the Dance Floor, uh, for those yes. people who don't know, it's the story of Randy Now in City Gardens. How did you, how did that come to, to be? Uh, did okay. So there was a book before the film, actually. Um, no slam dancing, no stage diving, no spikes. And that's it's more focused on the city garden, the club, and the people, and me. But the film is actually, you know, shows me. And I can tell you, again, like, you know, after it was gone, done, shut down, I was doing other things in my life. I was delivering newspapers for 10 years. But successfully, uh, in Robinsville, as a matter of fact, every once in a while I would get an email from somebody, you know, I'd like to write a book about the club. I'd like to make a film about the club. And um, I'd say, go ahead, you know, knock yourself out. And probably the first 50 people each asked me about a book and about a film. You know, just it never happened. And then the last two people, wanted, you know, one for the book, one for the film, they went through with it. And um, it was pretty neat. We got mentioned on the John Stewart Daily Show. Uh, he was because, a bartender, um, right? At the City Gardens? Yeah, yeah, he was a bartender. Probably about four years. Wow. And then I, re- I remember him saying, I, I can't come in the bartend this weekend. I'm going to be on MTV. With my own show, I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I think he also took the place of uh, who was the guy, the black guy, who used to go hoo, 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 all the time. Who was that? Uh, was it Arsenio Hall? That's it. Well, he actually John took over his Arsenio Hall. Ah, oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, he took over that first, and then went to MTV. But 
like maybe it was just like a guest host and it was a real short period. A lot of people don't even know that. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I also hear that he was uh, on um, Mystery Science Theater 2000 or 1000 uh, years ago. Yes. And, and uh, I just met Joel recently who does the modern day Mystery Science Theater. I told him I worked with John and he was like, out of his mind. <laughs> Just wanted to talk, talk, talk to me. So, um, yeah, so, you know, these two people finally went ahead and did it. They, of course, that's when the era of GoFundMe was just coming on strong, too. So on the computer, you know, both of them were putting GoFundMe's up, and, um, you know, both of them, you know, a lot of people were interested. They, yeah, I want to see, um, you know, what it was like. Again, I like to relive it. I'll help you. Um, you know, a couple of people became pretty successful out of there and, and gave, you know, a, a lot of money, actually, you know, like four-digit money, um, four-digit dollar money, and uh, which is nice, awesome. So they, they, uh, they've been out for a while. A lot of bands are still going strong out there, you know, that played your venue. And you've also spoke about... Um, Having bands stay over at your house, what was that like? Yeah, nobody knew that. You know, nobody knew I was, you know, so close to the bands. And then uh, a couple of bands asked me to tour manage them because they, you know, they, they trusted me. And I, I went out and tour managed uh, a band called Managed Their Religion. Um, and then I did a big tour with the band Guar, uh, Coast to Coast. And then I was asked to tour manage uh, a tour called Skabooby. 1990. It was the biggest names in Sky at the time. It was members of the English Beat and the Specials. It was called Special Beat. Then there was uh, the Toasters, the Selector, and we also had the Scatolites, who were the guys that pretty much invented straw music in the 60s. And uh, at that time, four of them, the originals, were still alive. And uh, they were on the tour, too. So, you know, people... People trusted me and bands, you know, bands war, all 16 of them would stay at the farmhouse I had. I had an apartment in New York for a while. Uh, Rancid and Fugazi used to stay over all the time, you know, when they were on tour. <laughs> but nobody knows, like, nobody sees, like, that part of it. A lot of people think I was their enemy, but, you know, now I get the emails, hey, man, thanks for what you did, and, you know, I appreciate it. I wish I wasn't just a punk rock kid and I went and saw, you know, other types of music there, like like ministry or even reggae, you know, with any of the reggae bands I booked. Uh, you know, oh, I was just a punk rock kid then. But it's funny, right now I'm putting together in the mail, I'm mailing to Connecticut one of the uh, Ride on the Dance Floor CDs, actually a Blu-ray. <laughs> Now, do you do you still keep in touch with the bands? No, I can tell you, every time Green Day plays New Jersey, and of course they're playing for, you know, whatever, 10,000 people now, they always say their favorite shows ever in New Jersey were at City Gardens. And uh, I, I can tell you, the first time Green Day played, uh, we recorded it on cassette. And um, Billy Joe says, this is the biggest crowd we've ever played for. Wow. And it was, you know, whatever, a thousand people. But we were 3,000 miles from home. And here they were getting a thousand people from New Jersey. And, you know, they sold out of their T-shirts. They were probably buying more T-shirts. What year was sold that? Out of them. 
Uh, it was the year before Dookie. So I, I'm going to say 90 or 91, because one time they canceled their tour. But nobody wanted them. But I was like, oh, my God. And, then, so, and, and also, that he said, Billy said in that first show, this is the first time we've ever had monitors to actually hear ourselves. And uh, pretty neat. I wish they would stop back and say hi. <laughs> maybe they'll see this article and, uh, and contact me. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping you know we're you know this this coronavirus has hurt a lot of businesses, including you know record stores. Um, how can you know people who, thanks to you, discovered this amazing music? How can we help? during this time. Okay, what I've done for the store, which is Randy Nail's Man Cave, I've set up um, a section where you can purchase gift certificates. And basically, you know, I'll send you the gift certificate in the mail, whatever amount you, you send me. Um, and it's good for you to use when we open back up. That money right now that was helping me pay these bills, um, I just paid major rent. Thank God, and I, I told the landlord, I don't know what to tell you about June if this goes on. So, um, and there's also actually a donation. And uh, I'm, I'm happy and shocked to see how nice and how well it's going. And, I, you know, I, there's been a couple, like, you know, $100, $200 um, donations. But I'd rather see, like, 100 people get $10 than... One person get a thousand dollars. You know, I, I don't need much. I don't ask for much. Uh, but you know, every every business in the entertainment field right now, coast to coast, is asking for donations and gift certificates. And even the Carter Theater right now is you know looking looking for money to pay whatever they have to pay. Maybe they have to pay the actors. I don't know. Uh, you know, all the shows I had here had to be postponed and canceled. And we, nobody knows when we're going to be able to have live concerts in a building again. You know, a couple couple of my bands, the Undertones and the band called APB, were from Europe. And their tours were canceled. The uh, Undertones, even if they moved the Undertones states, they still couldn't make it to their, um, their work visa papers up like May 1. So that wasn't going to happen either. You've had to cancel um, a few shows too because bands come to your store and they play live as well, and um, that's a big part of the uh, of making money. <laughs> the live bands. Yeah, yeah, and you know the bands I bring in here are bands that are really on a level above the size of this space. But because of friendship of the city gardens and agents. Uh, I've been getting some pretty big names to play in here for me. And, uh, you know, so, what, when, again, I mentioned the Undertones, their tour was canceled. So that, you know, I got to refund everybody's money for that. And um, they can't come now until 2021 because their work visas, uh, you know, ran out. Same thing with a band from uh, Scotland called ATB. But uh, all the American bands, everything's off, canceled. Yeah. Nobody knows, uh, you know, so those shows are actually postponed. I use the word cancel, that's one word. Postponed, which means that everybody has a ticket, 
we'll get into the next show when it's rescheduled. Mm. And uh, what we can't reschedule. <laughs> you know, I, I do have two new dates, like in October, one for Robin Hitchcock and one for this band that does, uh, they're called The Resurrection of Screaming Jay Hawkins. Like, it's like a pro band out of New York. And I found them and they came down and played and they loved it. And they're going to come back, you know, mm-hmm. for Halloween. It's perfect for a Halloween type show and band. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Who knows if it's going to happen yet? Before we go, if you want to plug in any information, you know, website, where people can... I mean, I'm going to put all these links online and everything, but... Sure. Um, okay. Well, um, there is a website. It's uh, Um Look, the, the best and the favorite and the one that's most up to date is my Facebook which is, you know, www.facebook.com backslash Randy Nails Man Cave. There you can see all the links for everything. Randy, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, when we reopen, you have to come visit. Yes, and you know, and I live so close. I live like 15, 20 minutes away. As soon as the store opens, I'm going to take a trip down there with um, with Matt. And when I hear the if the dipsomaniacs come up with something, I'll send you an email so that you can be on the loop. You make you made me blush when you said, you know, I'm honored to speak to you. Save the cave. That's, that's <laughs> Save the, the cave. That's Save perfect. the cave. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, thanks. Okay, bye, Randy. Take care. All right, bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.